Uh, Josh uh, started off last week uh, looking at uh, the last part of our fourth uh, strategic priority, growing the kingdom. And we're continuing that. And my, my, my job, or my responsibility actually, uh, this morning is to talk about what are the responsibilities of the church, or the church members, in growing the kingdom. Mm, big topic, isn't it? Big topic. So I guess we should ask, shouldn't we, uh, why does the church exist? Why does it exist? Is it uh, to entertain us, to have something to do on a Sunday? Uh, is it so that you know we, we, we go to, to this building that has heaps of programs and things to do uh, that we can get involved in, you know, that type of thing, uh, places where we can maybe go and feel good? You know, so many, I hear so many people saying, Oh, you know, I'm not getting much out of the church. You know, you, there's this expectation that the church is going to be doing something for you. Or, or is, is the church and, and, and a lot of, um, church leaders, uh, prominent church leaders feel this way that the church in the West in particular has become a Christian social club. Is that why the church exists? Obviously not. All right, it's not for those reasons at all. And, and, and it's a big topic, you know, the responsibilities of the church. We could be here a, a quite a long time, but we won't. All right, we won't. We've only got three pages today, so we should be finishing early. In the Bible, it talks a lot about um, what our responsibilities are. And it's all over the place, but there are, you, you could group them into three main categories or three main headings. The first one is the, the, the church responsibility is to glorify God. That's right up there. It's part of the, the number one thing in the Ten Commandments, isn't it? And, and then the second thing would be to edify the saints. That means to, 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 to instruct and uplift the people who believe in God. And then the third one would be to evangelize the world. Take the good news out. Now, for, for the, the older and more mature and more senior members of our church and, 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 and that and Christians, uh, good morning, uh, Rob and, and Lorraine. There's a little term, a little term, upward. Inward, outward. Many of you older folks would recognise that, that catchphrase. Upward, inward, outward. There you go. That's the responsibility of the church. I'm going to explain that a little bit, put a little bit of flesh on those bones. You see, the first one, the worship, to glorify God... As Chris mentioned when we first started, we're here to worship God. Worshiping God is, is primary. God desires worship. And the church is responsible for, for worshiping God. We worship God by coming to a church service and, and singing hymns and reading the scriptures and praying, listening to sermons. We worship God in our lives by the way in which we conduct our lives, the way we live, what, whatever it is that we do, you know, in our career, in our marriages, uh, in our life choices, and then in the way in which we bless others. 
That's how we worship God. We bring glory to God by doing those things. We were created. The Bible tells us that we've been created to bring pleasure to God. You know, it talks about, uh, it talks about one of the responsibilities of, an, of a believer is to find out what it pleases God, what it is that pleases God, and do it. That's an instruction that we get from the Apostle Paul. And, uh, uh, to bring glory and honour to God's name. Now I know in, in, in the past, uh, we can go back many, many years, even hundreds of years, at various times, various groups of Christians and church groups have not brought honour and glory to God's name. And that's not a good thing. They were wrong. They didn't do the right thing. But the idea is that one of the main responsibilities of the church is to bring glory to God. The second one, the, uh, the edification of the saints. That's a very uh, technical term. But what it means is to build up and encourage the believers, the people who make up a church. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't have to tell you this, that a church is not a building. A church is made up, as, as uh, Chris uh, pointed out, with Mr. Potato Head, you know. In fact, I think there's quite a few Mr. Potato Heads in, in this. No, no, there isn't. No, there isn't. But they're made up of people, individual people, young people, old people, in-between people, rich people, poor people. People who, who come from different countries and have different coloured skin and, and speak different languages. And, and the idea of the church is to bring these people together and teach them the word of God, instruct them. That's why the Bible is so prominent in the church. And in this church in particular, I love the fact that we, we use God's word. Uh, and it's open every Sunday. And we, we are to encourage one another to live holy lives, lives that bring glory to God. And the third thing, the, the, to evangelize the world is the outworking of those two things. If we glorify God and we seek to honor His name and bring glory to Him and, and, and if, and if we study God's word and we look into the word and, and, and find out what it is that God wants us to do, this is what we end up doing. We go out. And we teach people about God. We tell them about God. Like that little uh, phrase says in our, in our strategic priority, we make him known. That's the three priorities of the church, the responsibilities of the church. As I said, in the Bible that there's all sorts of places you could go and turn and look and find different aspects of the church uh, responsibilities but I've chosen Second, uh, second uh, Corinthians. The reason for this is that, that there's only two uh, churches that are mentioned in the Bible that have had two letters sent to them from the Apostle Paul. This one, and then uh, the church in Thessalonica. And, it's, and, that, and that's an interesting uh, concept when you have a look at that. Reading that second letter, thinking that he's already written one to them. Let's have a look at what it is that he wants to say now as well. You know, first of all, he writes to, to, to the Corinthians to fix up all the little things. Well, maybe they weren't so little. All the, all the, all the things that they weren't, that wasn't right there and, and, and trying to fix up, uh, the wrong teaching, etc. But the second letter, now there's an interesting letter, isn't it? 
Why did he write it? Now, Paul, in, in 2 Corinthians, is a big chunk of it, from chapter 2 right to chapter 7, and we're not going to cover all of that, but is what he wants to do is he wants all believers, all believers to know that they have uh, a ministry, they have a ministry of sharing the good news. That's, that's what it, what's, what he's talking about in that, in that part. And in chapter five, and we've only read half of it, but in chapter five, he reveals our place, our role. Now that's all Christians, us, here in Montmorency. What our role and place is in that ministry. And he does that. He talks about, you know, how we got to this position and all the rest of it. But in chapter five, he, he focuses on the actual role and responsibility of this ministry. So we just have a quick look at a, a one verse in Chapter 3. I hope you have your Bible still open. I'd love you to keep it open. We're going to look at some verses uh, in, in 2 Corinthians here. And in verse uh, 6 of chapter 3, the apostle says, just need to turn to it. He says, he, that's God, has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant. So to, to the believer, to the church, he has made us competent ministers, able ministers of the new covenant. Now what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, he goes on and just elaborates a little bit more in chapter 3 verse 17 and 18. Have a look at what that says. It says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and we that's you know all of us and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the lord who is the spirit did you pick up a couple of words there that you've been hearing week after week after week over the last few months as we've been talking about the holy spirit we're competent, we're able to do this work, this ministry for God, because we are being transformed into his likeness. That's part of that priority, isn't it? To be transformed, to become like like Jesus Christ. That's the Spirit's task, which every believer has when they accept Jesus Christ as Saviour. The Spirit comes and dwells in us, and his priority is, which we've looked at, in great detail, to make us more like the Lord Jesus Christ, to transform us, to fix all those little things that aren't quite right about us. And the purpose for this, what's the purpose for it? The purpose we find in chapter 5 and verse 5. And he says here, now, now it is God who has made us for this very purpose. He has made us 
uh, sorry, I've lost my spot. He, he has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit for the guarantee of things to come. So he's built us up to, to this point. He's told us we have, we, we are able and competent ministers of the new covenant and, and he's told us that, that, you know, God has, has given us a spirit and he's transforming us, you know, and, and that's why we, we are able to be, to be these ministers. And the purpose for this is that, you know, it's, it's a special thing that God wants us to do. And now he comes. He comes to this telling us exactly what this new covenant is all about and what the purpose is and what the main responsibility of a church is. The ministry that we have to be involved in, that we are responsible for, is the ministry, Brian, of reconciliation. So it says here, the ministry of reconciliation. You see, this is what God wants. God wants the world. He wants everybody in the world, in every country, of every nation of this earth, to be reconciled to him. He has reconciled himself to the world. Paul has been saying that in, in, in previous verses by the Lord Jesus Christ, sending the Lord Jesus Christ to die on the cross, to offer forgiveness. He So... so the work's been done. And so we now have a ministry. So what is this ministry? What is this ministry of reconciliation? Let me tell you straight away. It's not about land rights, okay? It's not about land rights. It's not about self-determination. It's got nothing to do with compensation. Nothing to do with any of those things. I know in Australia in particular, which we've talked a lot about that over the years, but here's what reconciliation means in the Bible. You know, you know that the New Testament was originally written in Greek, yeah? Which is, I'm glad they've translated it because I can't read Greek. But it's good to go back to the original language that it was written in to get the feel of what exactly it was that was trying to be communicated. So the Greek word for reconciliation, now Desi, I am really sorry, I'm gonna, not going to say this right, but nevertheless I'm going to have a go. The Greek word is kata ilag, I think that's right. And what it means, and listen to what it means, this is really important, it means a change, a change from a state of enmity. Now that's, that's a, you don't use that word very much, but what it means, hostility and hatred. So it means a change from hostility and hatred to one of friendship. That's what reconciliation means, Brian. Wouldn't it be good if we, we, if we reconciled each other? There are some family members that need reconciliation. There are, there are people that we've, we've lived with for a long time that could, could do with reconciliation, yes. But the ministry of reconciliation, what does that mean? Ministry, the word ministry, this is a good word too. Go back to the Greek, here it says, I can say this one a bit easier. Uh, and the word is diak onia. It's where we get the word deacon from, you know, the Greek, the, the word deacon that's often used in a church. Now have a listen, have a really close listen as to what this word means. Ministry means 
a serviceable labour that involves... It's not just serviceable labour. It's not just tell the deacons that, you know, we need more toilet paper in the in the loos and the air conditioning needs to be turned. It's not just that. This is what it means. It means serviceable labour that involves compassionate love for the needy. How about that? Uh, yeah, that that's a different... Uh, you, look, you look at Andrew and Devin here this morning in a different light. That's what it means to be in, in ministry. I was thinking about Kat this morning when she was singing away there. And I was thinking about her and I thought, I'm going to use her as an example because I like picking on Kat. Now, this is what I miss about these things. I can't point to Kat here and pick on her, but I'm going to do it anyway this morning. Now, Kat is part of our music ministry along with uh, Pat and Lai and sometimes... Um, uh, Kylie helps and sings, but she's part of the music ministry. And, you know, I, I look at this word and I can see how she labours and she puts a lot of work into presenting those songs for us and those hymns that we can sing together. And she does a terrific job in leading us and doing us all, doing all that. But it's more than that. And I know this. I know it's more than, than just a duty, a service, a bit of labour, because I know that she does it with, with compassionate love. And I also realised and recognised uh, when I've been doing this, uh, this, preparing for this sermon, that the needy, it's not the homeless, they have needs, it's not the abused people, which also need, have needs and, and would need to be helped. But you know who it is when Kat's singing the songs and doing this service, this ministry? You know, you know, you know who the needy are? Me, you, and you. We need people like Kat to labour, to serve us. We're needy. So that does, doesn't it? It does give you a different perspective on the word ministry. The people that are involved in children's ministry, you know, the the, the people like like uh, Judy and uh, and Paul and Jean and Barbara and Sandra who look after the creation, the tadpole kitties, you know, they do it with compassionate love. They provide a service with compassionate love. And who are the needy there? The young the young parents who desperately need to just have forty five minutes so they can sit and. Listen to the boring preacher. No, not the boring preacher, but to listen to the word of God and just have a, a moment to, to reflect on what God is trying to say to them. Uh, different perspective, isn't it? I love that. Anyway, I, that was a bit of a, a bit of a digression there. Really, it's not really part of what we're talking about, but have a look at what it says in verse 18 here of this chapter. Have a look at this is a, this is really, this is blow your mind. All this is from God. So, so you know, the, the equipping, the making us competent, you know, transforming us, all of that is from God. And, and it says there, uh, who reconciled us to himself through, through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. God has given, given us this task. 
You don't read that very often of God giving us things to do, really. There's things that he would like us to do, but he, this, is, this is a job, a task that he's given us to do. I'm just, need, I'm just giving, to give you a couple of seconds to think about that. Let that sink in. A service to do on his behalf. Wow. It's not just a job, but, it, but it's, it's, a, it's something that we do on the behalf of God. This is deep stuff, isn't it? And this is how it all ties in, brothers and sisters. And because we do it on the behalf of God... It must, Chris, it must contain an element of compassionate love. That's why the Bible talks about it. Everything that the church does is undergirded by love. God is love, yes. There's a lot of other things too. But the ministry of reconciliation is, is, is undergirded by a compassionate love. A compassionate love. What, what does compassion mean? It, it motivates the person to do something about the situation. And that's what God did. And we, the church, have been given the task, given us the task to make this message known. It's not just a duty. It's more, it's more than an obligation. Because in verse 19, have a look at verse 19 here. We go on, it says uh, that God has reconciled the world in himself in Christ Jesus, not counting men's sin against them, and he has committed, committed to us the message of reconciliation. You know, that word committed is a, a, a good word. It means attached, you know, bound. It's something that you can't sort of just forget about or leave behind. It's attached. It's bound. It's not optional. God has committed to us this message of reconciliation. It's what the church has to do. It must do it. It's a priority. In fact, I think it's the main thing. God requires us to do. What's an, I've been trying to think over, over the, the course of the weekend of an, of an analogy. Now I was thinking about that. I thought, parenting, okay, that's good. I, I like this. Now, when a child is born, when you give birth to a child, now I know, I know it's the ladies that do most of the work, but the guys have got a, a little, a little input in there as well. So, so there's a mother and a father, you know, who, who bring about Childbirth. Now, when a, when a child is born, all of a sudden, these two people are parents, and 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 with 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 the giving of birth, it's implied, isn't it? It, it sort of goes along that there's a commitment to be made. There's a commitment of the parents to the child. And that's, that's to, to bring up the child. You make a commitment to look after the child. You make a commitment to, to take care of the child, to rear the child, to raise the child, to nurture the child, and it goes on and on and on. 
until they're really old. It never ends. You just sort of, you know, you can't get rid of it, Chris. You, know, you, you think that when the boys get older and, you know, they get a job and they leave home, that's the end? Mate, that's not, that's not the end. It just keeps on going. And that's what God's done for us. He's given us, he's committed to us in every time, everything that we do, everywhere that we go. That's our ministry, reconciliation, to make people known of the reconciliation that God has provided. Now, we're not parents of the gospel and we're not parents of, of reconciliation even. Please don't, don't get me wrong there. That was just a little analogy. No. We're not parents. Just read it a fraction further. Verse 20. We are ambassadors. Ambassadors of Christ. That's what it says here. So you can see, can't you, Paul is in, in these chapters, he's building up to this. You know, all the things that he's been saying and the, the ministering. So, and now here's your role, Raph. Brian, Devon, Andrew, Chris, and all you out there, here's, here's what you actually have to do. Here's what you are. You are an ambassador of Christ. Now that requires a little bit of explaining because this is what we think an ambassador means. That's Joe Hockey. He was the ambassador to the United States. The Australian ambassador to the United States. He finished up in February. We've got another bloke called Arthur Sedonis, I think his name is. There's not many pictures of him doing stuff, so I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Now, he's not, he didn't, wasn't just an ambassador while, while Donald Trump was there, he was also there when Obama was, um, president. And, and today, we probably think that, a, what does an ambassador do? Oh, you know, well, he goes to the ceremonial things, you know, he goes to the, the parties, the galas, you know, the opera, all that sort of stuff. Well, he does that, but it's a very different uh, office, really. It's a very different title and position than what we think it is. It's a little bit different than what it used to be, and it's in the Bible way back in the Old Testament. It's first mentioned in Second Chronicles chapter 32. Now, what is a Traditionally, what what, a, what a, an ambassador is, it's a, it's a diplomatic post, an official diplomatic post of the highest rank. You can't get any higher than an ambassador. And what what they used what it used to do was the person would represent the king or the sovereign of that particular nation. In in, in Joe's case, he was representing the nation of Australia. In the US. We won't talk about whether he was effective or not, but that's what he was doing. We sang this morning our first song, and thank you so much, Kat, that's what got me thinking about you. We sang, we are the people of the risen king. So we have a king, and we are the ambassadors of that king. You got that? And so an ambassador is sent by one nation or one country or one state to another one. Now, back in the day, they didn't have internet and telephones and all that sort of thing. It was a very, very important and vital role 
because the communication wasn't wasn't as instant as we have today and so and so the 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 ambassador had a lot of power and a huge responsibility not just to the where he was but to the nation he was or the king he was representing and they met with the sovereign of that land that he was in like like we saw there you know joe was meeting with whichever president was in power and they negotiated treaties and agreements and safe passage through through hostile lands and all sorts of things like that and and they represented the interests of their king or their monarch that's what they were doing they weren't there to you know bring glory to themselves or represent themselves but to the monarch to the to the king to the kingdom that they've come from and they represented the interests of that particular sovereign you know whatever the, whatever was was important to to that country to that king to that monarch this is what the, the ambassador represented wherever he was you're getting the picture now what's required of an ambassador but there's more there's more how does this the behavior of the ambassador had to be above reproach he couldn't you couldn't have any any questions about his 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 behavior he had to be tip top 24-7. That's where a lot of ambassadors get into trouble from time to time. And when that happens, what happens to them? They get recalled, don't they? They're in shame. They brought shame and disgrace to their nation, to their sovereign, and they're recalled. What an embarrassment that is. I'm going to show you another slide. What am I? I'm an ambassador for Christ. This is a quote from D.L. Moody. I, was, I saw this and I thought, I think I'll use this uh, in my sermon. One out of 100 men will read the Bible. That's good. That's not bad, 1%. The other 99 will read the Christian. Boy, Mr. Moody was pretty smart, wasn't he? That's true, isn't it? That You know it's true. Boy, don't they like pointing it, pointing it out, Chris, uh, whenever we don't... Do the right. They know I'm a Christian. They know you're a Christian. And boy, do they, oh, oh, I, I thought you were Christian. I would, didn't think you would uh, behave that way, Raf. Hmm. How often have we heard that? But it's more than just behavior. Have a listen to this. The, the ambassador displays the culture and the values of the particular kingdom or country that he comes from. That's important. That's really important. Yeah, he has to go to wherever he goes. Like Joe had to go to the US and he went to the different functions. But he had to represent our values. He had to represent our culture, Brian. Now, what does that mean? Okay, next week. Now, now I know Peter Cousins is a really happy man this morning because Geelong is playing in the grand final next week. Next week is the grand final. Big event, not just in Victoria right across Australia. Let me tell you that at the pre-grand final events, any ambassador from the United Emirates who is photographed or filmed drinking champagne, Brian, he's in big trouble. Big trouble. Because they're not allowed to drink. They don't drink alcohol over there. They're not allowed to drink alcohol. So if he's here representing the United Arab Emirates and he's drinking champagne, he is in big trouble. 
let me also tell you that that there will be no one from the Israel the ambassador to the, to Israel or the Israeli ambassador will not be going to any grand final breakfasts. Why is that? Because it's on the Sabbath. If it was held on Friday, no problem. He would be in big trouble if he went to the grand final breakfast. Can you see? Because they, they're representing what they believe, what's important to their, to their kingdom, to their monarch, to the values of, the, of their culture. Yeah, it's, it, this is a big job, Chris. It's a very important role. So what's the application for you and me this morning? What is my responsibility? What is the church's responsibility? And we find the answer to that in verse 20. Verse 20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. That's that's where the rubber hits the road, folks. That's all of it in a nutshell. First of all, the application is, you know and I know, we have been chosen by Jesus Christ and approved by him to be an ambassador, to be his ambassador, to represent him. Just like he, when he was here, he was representing his father in heaven. We read about that. We talked, we taught it just a few, few months back. And you know, in, in John chapters 15 and 16, the Lord talks about like he was sent by his father that he's also sending us as the father sent him. Same role. Same responsibilities. And the application for you and me this morning is that, brothers and sisters, as ambassadors of Christ, we have to we have to represent kingdom values. This is how the kingdom is grown. This is how the kingdom is promoted. This is how the kingdom is made known by the way in which we live our lives. Our lives need to reflect heaven's official position on things. It will be difficult. Imagine how hard it is for, 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 for those blokes, the, the ambassador of the United Emirates, when everyone's having a champagne. You know, when you have to toast and they're holding up an OJ. You know? Oh. Yeah, I oh, know we're not going to drink, you know? Come and come to the breakfast. Come to the breakfast. Oh, can't. I'm sorry. We can't go. We're Israelis. Believe in the Sabbath. I'm not mocking them. I admire them. Because they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. What about you and me this morning? As the church, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Are we representing heaven's official values in the way in which we live, in the things that we do, places we go? The other thing, number three, is that that we, we, we represent kingdom interests. Now, you know, Joe Hockey 
and and uh, there was a, new, a bit of an issue with some aeroplanes and stuff that we were buying and you know things like that. And he was he was prominent in in trying to sort out the 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 issues of, of payment and all of this. Anyway, I don't want to go into too much detail about that. But he was vital in 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 promoting uh, our interests so that we would get a good deal for these planes, military planes. And you know, of course, that that uh, our wheat and our coal is very important to us and the ambassadors to other places that, that buy coal, like the ambassador to China at the moment is really having a tough time uh, trying to keep our coal, you know, being bought by the Chinese, you know. So, so this is what they do. They represent the interests, the things that are of value to them, that, that, you know, they really need to push these and promote these. Well, we don't need to promote coal and wheat. We don't. As, as ambassadors of Christ, that's not what we're about. We're about reconciliation. Reconciliation, the peace with God. Remember what it said? From, from enemy and from hostile feelings to friends of God. That's, that's, that's our job. That's our, that's our interest. And then the last one is a spokesperson. The ambassador is the spokesperson. If you get into trouble overseas and you're arrested, you ring the embassy and usually the ambassador comes and, you know, tries to help you out. He pleads your case. He, he makes an appeal to the authorities and, uh, and, and, and sometimes if you've done a really bad thing, he actually pleads for mercy on your behalf, you know. Remember that little verse I just read, the last thing we read out in verse 20? It says there, And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. When I read that, mate, my, my shoulders get really heavy. When I think about that God is using me, and you of course, but me, to make his appeal to others so that, that he could be reconciled with others. That's the job. That's the obligation. That's the ministry of the church. That's our responsibility. I'm going to finish with this. Next, next slide, please. Is it, is it happening? Okay. The primary task is found in the second half of verse 20 here. Have a look. Please have a look. As though God were making his appeal through us, it says, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Implore means to beg urgently, to plead. Are we doing that, brothers and sisters? Are we meeting our responsibility? This is the challenge I throw out to you this morning, and it's my challenge to myself. Are we meeting this? Are we meeting this on Christ's behalf? Are we going? Are we telling? Are we asking? Are we being the true ambassadors of Christ who have been committed to take this message of reconciliation? And are we imploring people to be reconciled, to get, to get right with God. We don't need to tell them that they're sinners, Brian. They know they're sinners. 
We don't even need to tell them that they're enemies of God, Chris, because they know that as well. It's the Spirit's job to do that, to tell them those things and make them aware of it. But it's our job to offer them and to tell them about the love of God and that he gave his son on a cross so that they could be friends again with God, a restored relationship like God had intended way back in Genesis. And brothers and sisters, I'll leave you with that little slide. Therefore, we are the ambassadors of Christ. And we have, and we have a message of reconciliation to take out. And, and God is making his appeal to those who are enemies of God, headed for a lost eternity, for, for an eternity of separation from God. And he's making his appeal to these people through us, the church. Thank you.